Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. As you know, the podcast is currently sponsored by Nook Ireland. So for the month of October, Nook are offering an amazing opportunity for you and a friend to win €300 Euro worth of Nook product each. Yes, that's right, €300 Euro each. I have to read it a couple of times myself. What an incredible offer. So to be in with a chance to win this competition, follow Nook Ireland's Instagram page and then tag someone you know would who would love to win this competition over on my own page on a post I have created. So terms and conditions do apply and the winner will be announced on Instagram. Good luck. In this week's episode, I chat to Anita and she talks through her one pregnancy and the birth of her little boy, Ziggy. Anita is a doula and she prepared as much as she could for labour and birth. It was so nice to hear that when she did attend the hospital to see, just to see how things were progressing, the midwife ran through her notes, ran through her preferences with her finger, reading it word for word, making sure that she had every understood her preferences completely and they were fully respected throughout her entire time in the hospital which is just such music to my ears it's lovely to hear she did have a really long labor so she was laboring for about 24 hours it was very intense right from the very beginning she had certain things in her preferences that led her to have the birth experience that she wanted so a really nice story and I always love hearing stories from people who are in the maternity care profession but who haven't yet given birth so it's a really nice perspective um, and she tells me how she felt before she gave birth as a doula witnessing birth um, so intimately and how she felt about labour and birth ahead. So a really nice episode I hope you enjoy and I will chat to you next week. So Anita you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast I'm delighted to have a chat with you this evening. Thank you. Do you want to just begin by giving us a little introduction to you and your family? Um, sure. So um, my name is Anita and my husband is David and we met in New York City. So I'm originally from Brazil and then I was living in New York and uh, we met there. We're both actors and we lived there for about 10 years, got married in New York and then decided to leave New York and come back to his hometown of Dublin almost four years ago. And I already had in my mind, we go to Ireland, maybe we can start a family because it's much more doable than New York. Um, and that's what happened. Um, we had been together for 10 years before we decided that maybe perhaps we were kind of ready to give it a go. And, um, and it took much longer for me to get pregnant than I had expected. To be honest, it took just over a year. And I was sort of going, oh, okay, we're going to try this last month. And I was going on a trip back to New York and then Brazil. And then it was like a six-week trip. And I thought, you know what? We're going to give give this a go another month and I'm going to go on my trip. And if I don't get pregnant, then when we come back, I'm going to go to a doctor and see if there's any testing that needs to be done because it was over a year, you know? 
Um, and then I'm in New York starting the trip of six weeks. And um, about a week in, I was like, hmm, my period is late. I wonder if <laughs> I was pregnant. So I basically came back at the end of my first trimester. I was traveling all of my first trimester, which was intense. I was going to Rio to spend Carnival with my friends, no husband, and then I was pregnant. <laughs> so I was just sitting in, you know, air-conditioned apartment, drinking, you know, lemonade and trying not to feel nauseous. <laughs> did you decide to tell your friends and family at that stage or did you decide to wait? I did. I decided to tell, like, I didn't want to announce it to everyone, but it just felt like a special opportunity to tell them in person I've been abroad for so long and I thought, oh, what a lovely thing. You know, my parents were thrilled. And um, so I did. I ended up telling a lot of people. And then I remember thinking, you know what? It's really early on. If something goes wrong, hopefully I'll have a lot of people to support me, <laughs> you know, because I know there's a little bit of fear of that in the early weeks because it's so it's quite delicate at that stage. So um, I did. I, I ended up telling uh, quite a few people then. So what were your thoughts care wise? What was your plan when you returned to Dublin? Was it Dublin? Yes. yes, yes. Did you go straight to your GP and did you have your 12 week scan? How did that all look in the early weeks? Yes. Um, so I didn't go to the GP right away because we didn't have a GP. We had moved from Black Rock to Clontarf recently and I didn't have a GP at the time yet. So it was a little bit of like, oh, we need to find a GP and we need to, you know, call the hospital and stuff. So I ended up, I went to the Rotunda public um, and I didn't want to miss the 12 week scan. So we got a private one done and uh, it was great. It all looked uh, fine and it was more emotional than I would have expected, actually. Uh, you know, I didn't think that I was going to have that like oh hearing the heartbeat or whatever but I was quite emotional um seeing it, it sort of becomes very real at that stage and it gave me an idea of what was happening inside of me in a, in a, in a different way so it was quite lovely and uh, my husband and I were dying to be together it was crazy to basically spend my whole first trimester you know we were apart so I actually remember arriving at the airport and he was waiting for me and he had flowers and I just sobbed because I was just so tired and, you know, so ready to be home at that stage. But uh, yeah, so all good with the 12 week scan. And then I think I was seen in the rotunda. I was 16 weeks pregnant. Um, and I had originally, here's why now I remember, it took me a little while to find the GP, it was because I wanted to have a home birth. And when you're doing it with a HSC, there's a whole thing about having a GP who has insurance that covers home births, even though they're not involved with a home birth at all. I found that baffling, to be honest. Um, and I couldn't find one. And it ended up not, it really didn't matter because I wasn't um, eligible for home birth through the HSC. I had a heart problem in the past. And uh, have been fine for 10 years, but they don't take any risks. The HSC is quite strict, right? There's some things that you can get away with, with the home birth midwives, but not the HSC. And how did you feel? Were you, were you upset or disappointed? Did you have your heart set on the home birth? Um, it was, but you know, I was quite surprised. I think it, I got to a point where I, I do, a, I'm a doula myself, birth and postpartum doula. So I do a lot of research and I did. And the problem that I had in the past like it could come back or like the, I really didn't have very strong arguments, you know, to say, no, I'm sure I'm going to be fine at home. There was a chance in my mind as well that I could be safer in the hospital. And I, I decided that I didn't want that to be an emotional burden for myself. You know what I mean? I just really thought, you know what, I'd love to have a home birth, but no, I don't want to go down this route of now this is a dramatic thing and I'm really disappointed. I'm going to fight for it. I really decided to just go and know that I would be fine in the hospital, that I'm well informed, that I was doing all I could to have a positive experience. We had a doula ourselves who was brilliant and she's a friend as well. So, you know, I, I, I was okay with it, surprisingly. <laughs> you were probably looking after yourself by choosing to not dwell on 
not having home birth. Yeah. 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 That's it. Um, and so, yeah, I had a lovely pregnancy. Um, I felt really good. I had all of the normal, you know, discomforts of, I got really sniffly and you can't do anything really about it. So that was frustrating. I had a little bit of pelvic girdle pain towards the end, you know, little things like that. Um, but really it was so straightforward and I felt really good. I always thought I would get really swollen because I like my ankles would get swollen, even being in the plane for a long time. And I really didn't like, I felt quite good. I did loads of yoga. I was moving around and uh, felt great. Loved being pregnant. Were you a doula before you had Ziggy or is that something you decided to do after you had him? I was, I was a doula for about three years before, almost, almost three years before having him. Yeah. So what classes did you attend or did you attend any in preparation for labor and birth? I did. I attended all of the classes at the Redonda. <laughs> My husband was laughing at me because I was the one sitting in the front row taking notes about everything. I was just really curious to see what they teach and how they teach it. And um, there was, you know, there was a lot that wasn't news to me, but there were some new things. And I'm glad I attended um, all of the classes I couldn't attend the breastfeeding one because of a scheduling issue. They couldn't get me into one. But David and I also went down to Cork to take a gentle birth uh, training workshop for a weekend with Mary Tighe, who's a doula. And I've worked with her. I worked with her agency, Doula Care. And so it was really special to be able to come down and do that with her. So we did that as well. Lovely. As a doula, actually, were you a birth doula or a postpartum doula? Both, both, birth and postpartum. Okay. So from seeing birth yourself, but not experiencing it, how did you feel about giving birth? You know, it's, it's so funny because women are so strong. So in a way, I think I had a very positive idea of, oh, yes, I've seen women do this. But I also had very specific ideas of how I wanted to birth, which, you know, you, you definitely have very little control over that. And um, I was at times really excited to have this experience. And I'd say most of the times just really understanding that it's such an enormous human journey, you know, that I really wanted to experience. I really wanted to experience it. And I wanted to have an unmedicated birth because I really wanted to sort of go through all of the, you know, hormonal changes and everything that happens. I really wanted to experience that. Um, So, but then at times I was nervous for sure. And feeling like I, oh, I don't know. I'm not ready. I remember telling my husband, I don't feel ready. And he would say, well, you're not giving birth yet. You don't have to be ready yet. And I'm like, okay, sure. Fine. (laughs) He's like, when the time comes, you will be okay. Um, but it's a good thing to think about, you know, I sometimes I'd say, yeah, yeah, it's okay. You're not in labor yet. You're not ready for labor yet. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but mostly, mostly looking forward to it, actually. And how did you feel in your final trimester? Um, I felt really good. I felt great, really, like I didn't even feel heavy or anything. I was out and about and um took a a few in-person yoga classes that I loved because they're sort of yoga for um, birth and pregnancy. And so it was really amazing. Um, But then I remember very close to my due date, I got a cold and I remember being devastated because I was just like, there's no way I can give birth the way I want to with this cold going on. And, um, it turns out the baby waited. We didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl, by the way. And, um, you know, the baby didn't come and I recovered from my cold, which I'm very glad because I was really, I was, I was quite upset about that. And then the due date came and <laughs> went and he didn't come. And so then I went through a little bit of stress with that because, Again, you know, for someone who wants to have a natural unmedicated birth, an induction definitely wasn't, you know, in my plans. And so I was I was very um, sad with the idea of having to go through an induction, which, you know, I have seen many, many, many very positive induction stories. 
Um, but I was sort of grieving in a way, the, the possibility of losing something that I wanted and I had thought of for so long. And, you know, as a doula, I think it can be a little bit dangerous to, to see so many people giving birth and having very clear ideas of what you want sometimes can be a little tricky. And is this a conversation that had started in the hospital with your consultant or was this just your own thoughts? Um, um, it was both. It was my own, my thoughts. But then, um, you know, I got to 41 weeks and uh, I went in uh, and had a sweep. And that day I lost my mucus plug but then nothing really happened, you know, and I was so hopeful because I remember sort of throughout the day, every time I went to the bathroom and peed and I wiped, it was like, oh, a little something, a little something, a little something. And, you know, and then nothing really happened. And they say usually with a sweep, if nothing happens within 48 hours, then that's that. Um, and then at that stage, they scheduled my induction. So let's say that was Tuesday or Wednesday, Tuesday, that was Tuesday. They scheduled my induction for Monday. So that was that was decided. And that was quite to have that date looming. You know, I think that that can be a source of anxiety for a lot of people. It definitely was for me sort of looking. Did you feel a shift then in yourself? Obviously, induction wasn't your plan, wasn't something on your birth preferences. So did you feel did. a change then? I did. I did quite a bit. And I remember having a couple of cries about it. And I spoke to my best friend, Nika, who's also a doula in the States. And she said to me, cry. She's like, you have to let everything go before the baby can go, you know. And and I did. I remember having a couple of big cries about, about that and, and kind of going, oh, what do I do? You know, it's such a thing that we're like, okay, this baby needs to come this weekend. And it's so, <laughs> like, there's no way to control that. Um, but, and I remember doing a lot of research and going to evidence-based birth, they have such amazing information, amazing information there. And they have a whole series on natural induction methods and what, and what the data and the evidence is behind them. And there isn't a whole lot, you know, and I even bought castor oil, which is quite controversial. I didn't take it. I wasn't sure if I was going to take it, but I did buy it because I, I think I was dead. <laughs> desperate and I'm really glad I didn't I didn't use it and I mean I from what I've researched people take a lot more than you should probably you should be very little anyway it wasn't opened but um but just having it in the house was sort of my how serious it was about this you know exactly I was like I have the castor oil and worse comes to worse and um and then I did I ask in a group of moms or something and someone mentioned acupuncture and then I went to the elbow room and had a session and the following night I went into labor oh wow so cool yeah so it was Thursday we went to bed and it was 2 30 in the morning and I it was classic you wake up with like menstrual cramps exactly like menstrual cramps and, um, and then I remember going to the bathroom and being and being like, hmm, this is interesting. Yeah, you don't want to do this. Loads yeah. of Braxton Hicks throughout my pregnancy. Loads. But this was very exactly like having a period. And uh, I remember I looked at the clock, you know, just in case. I looked at the time and I went back to bed. And then five minutes later, it came back. And then it went away. And then I woke my husband up and I was like, hmm, this is interesting. Or maybe I waited for like three of them. But I said, this is interesting. I think this might be the beginning of things. And right off the bat, I was contracting every five minutes. Like it was pretty regular. Um, and then they got to about four minutes apart. And I remember, because they were so regular, I called our doula, which is so funny because as a doula, I know that people always called the doula too early. And that is exactly what I did myself. Um, I was pretty sure, you know, we should have her doula with us because, hey, she might miss the birth. You know, this is progressing quite quickly. Um, ironically, it really was not progressing quickly. But, um, but she came and was here with us for a long time. So the contractions were then every four minutes and then every three minutes. 
And we labored like that from beginning to about seven hours. And I was contracting every three minutes really consistently. And so we decided to go to hospital because it was quite uncomfortable at that stage. I mean, every three minutes is sort of, you don't have a lot of rest in between. So what were you doing at home to help you cope through the early stages of labor? Um, I did, I had a TENS machine on, which was, I don't know, I, I, I'm not so sure about the TENS machine because I think it was very helpful. It, it was a labor one. So you have the boost button when you're having a contraction, you press that. And it was really good to have that something to do. During the contraction, the boost is great. It really sort of distracts you. It, it, you know, it, I feel like it takes the edge off a little bit of the contraction. But on the other hand, what I realized now that I didn't get at all was a lot of back massaging. And it's something that I think I would have loved and that my husband had the instinct to do. So often he would put his hand on my back and I would be like, ah, because he would make the, the little shocks from the tens machine really intense if he pressed it in. And so that was something that looking back, I wonder if I could have taken it off at times because I took it off. So, for example, I had a shower and I took it off and you get in the shower and then you put it back on, you know, and I wonder maybe if I have another baby, if I would like to get a bit more of that because I love touch. I love being massaged. My husband and I would have that as part of our, you know, love relationship. And, and it was an instinct that he had, and it was something that really didn't happen because of the TENS machine, like my back was taken. Um, but I did that. I had a shower. I sat on the ball. We had a, um, you know, birth ball, Pilates ball or whatever. And uh, I did sort of hip circles. Um, I sat on the ball and leaned on the back of a chair and had a little bit of a shoulder rub. So little things like that. I think at one stage we had music and we sort of danced a little bit. But, you know, a lot of the things that I thought I would use, I didn't, not directly. So, for example, my list of things I was going to do while I was in labor, I didn't really do them. Like the music, the dancing, you know, baking a cake for the baby or whatever. Because my labor feels like it just started, like I didn't have a contraction. And then 10 minutes later, another one or 30 minutes like some women have. And so it was fine. Like, I still think it's good to have the huge list of all of the things that you could possibly do, but I didn't do any of them. And like gentle birth, you know, I didn't really, for example, I had the app and I listened to it quite a bit when I was pregnant, just going to sleep. I would put a track on and, and I liked it. Um, and I think it was helpful with getting me into, into the habit of practicing relaxation and breathing and all of that. But I didn't use any of the tracks during labor. I never thought about it, and I don't think anyone did. And so that wasn't a thing that we actually you know, we used. I still would recommend it to anyone, and I think it's amazing doing the workshop and listening to the tracks while I was pregnant. But it wasn't something that I used during labor. Um, yeah, and so it got a little, it started to get intense. I remember I had a shower. And that my mom was here and she braided my hair. And I remember feeling quite like this is, and my mom, had, we're five kids in my house. And so my mom came from Brazil and I was so, I really, really, really wanted her here. Almost as an example that you can give birth. You know, she had three unmedicated and two with an epidural. So numbers four and five, my mom thought were a walk in the park. But it was just really inspiring to have that example of like, Yes, you can do it. And it's my mom. You know, I can do it. <clears throat> so it was really nice to have her here. And I remember that stage, it was getting really intense. And I thought, <laughs> like every woman does, and you think because you're a doula or because you know a lot of, you know, textbook <laughs> about birth that, that, you know, you understand what's happening with the body. And I thought, this is pretty intense. This is pretty good. I think this might be active labor. And um, we headed to the rotunda. <clears throat> meet my husband and the doula, got in the car and drove there. Um, and it was quite intense in a car, but it was, you know, it was manageable. And then we got there and I was assessed and I was one centimeter dilated. <laughs> and so it was that classic, you know, um, the midwife was lovely. I did have the vaginal examination, but I did not have the trace that they put on. 
I asked for them to just use the Doppler. I didn't want to lie on the bed. Sometimes they want to do a 20 minute trace and I really didn't want to lie there still for that. So she just used the Doppler. And then she said, you're one centimeter dilated. She was absolutely lovely. She pulled up my birth plan on the computer and she read every single line of it. I could see her running her finger over it. Like she read every single thing. And she looked at me and she said, the further you are away from this hospital, <laughs> the better it is for your birth plan. She said, if you want to not have interventions, if you don't want a medicated birth, she said, go home. It's very early on. There's nothing that you're going to use here as pain relief, according to your desires, right? That you can't use at home. So she said, you might as well be on your own bed and in your own bathroom. And, you know, and I really appreciated that. And I mean, at one centimeter, I definitely would recommend, you know, if you have any inclination of going back home, go back home. We came back home. And I remember feeling quite defeated a couple of, I, I remember there were two, mo- there was one moment I was in the shower, sort of sitting in the bathtub. And I remember looking at David and and, and, and saying, I feel like I want to cry, you know, still a bit polite. And they said, oh my gosh, you can cry. And I had a little cry. And I said, this is too hard. I don't think I can do it. This is really hard. Okay. Um, and I remember not being able to eat or drink much. Like I had little sips of water, but I couldn't really eat. And I remember she scrambled some eggs and she brought cut up fruit for me in the bathtub. And I ate like two little pieces. I, I had a tiny bit of nausea at the end of my contractions, just that feeling. I never threw up, but, and, and I just couldn't eat. Like I had no desire to eat. And that's something that I would also change. I would be more creative. You know, like I had a client recently who was eating like gummy bears and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Anything that can give you a little bit of energy, like it's silly to just think of healthy smoothies or you know what I mean? Whatever you like to eat, whatever, you know, feels yummy or that you can take in that moment. And um, and I would I think I would force myself a little bit more because they tried our doula came to me in the hospital. Oh my gosh, she had glucosate and, you know, innocent smoothies and coconut water, everything. They tried everything. And I was always like, no, no, just little sips, um, which was tough because I was in labor for a long time. So then, so then at home, I remember, you know, having another shower, another bath. It's a little bit blurry in my mind because it's quite repetitive. You know, you're in the apartment and you're sort of doing the the rounds of like um, rocking and sitting on the ball and having a shower and walking around and, you know, on all fours and doing some hip circles and and stuff like that. And, um, and then, and the contractions were pretty consistent. Like I don't ever remember them slowing down. I actually remember being in the shower or the bathtub and feeling really relaxed and loving it. And I remember saying to our doula, Lily, I think they slow down in the bath. I don't know if this is great for us right now because, you know, we want things to happen. And I said, I feel like they slow down. And she said they actually didn't. (laughs) She was timing them. And she said they didn't at all. They probably just felt a little bit easier. Or like my moments of rest were more relaxing and felt longer. But they really weren't longer. How long were you in labor at this point? So I did seven hours, then we went to the rotunda, came back home, and then we were at home for another seven hours. And then we headed to the rotunda. And it was quite intense at that stage. I was very vocal. I couldn't stand up and like walk on my own at all. So I remember, you know, it's that classic, like you're walking to the car and the contraction comes and somebody needs to hold you or you need to lean on somebody. And I was quite vocal. So I remember going to the hospital was much more uncomfortable in the car. I think I was on my Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Knees, face in the back of the seat, the back seat. Um, wasn't, you know, sitting with my seatbelt on anymore. And when we arrived, there wasn't really a question of whether they were meeting me or not. Like I was full on woman in labor. I remember somebody was checking me in. I don't, you know, I don't know if it was David or Lily who was talking to them and I had my eyes closed and I was leaning on the counter and I was going, oh, like I was full on intense, you know. And they checked me and I was two centimeters dilated. <laughs> And I remember thinking, oh, my God, this is why, why is this so hard? This is so hard. And I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I wasn't that disappointed at that stage. I think I can't remember, like, it was so intense that I don't think I, I was, you know, in the mindset to be like, oh, that sucks, two centimeters in 14 hours. But, but yeah, like, it's impossible to not project a little bit in relation to the experience that you've just had, that you're like, oh God, I have a lot ahead of yeah, me. Yeah, yes. A lot. But we were admitted to the early labor ward and we got there and there were, I think there were two or three other women there. And they asked me, they said, the bathtub is not being used. She wants us to prepare it for you. There's one bathtub there. There's one bathroom and, a little, and one bathtub. And I said, yes. And I wasn't sure I was going to go in, but I said, let's take the bathtub. And, you know, and I did, I went in, I think I was in the bathtub for about two hours. And it was that stage when you're almost fainting in between contractions, like I would see, you know, they were quite close together, but I think I was really tired by then. And I remember just sort of closing my eyes and I remember having a contraction and then drifting off and having a contraction and drifting off. And I remember counting my breaths. The counting was, was big for me. I remember at one stage, I think, Lily realized that I had reached the peak of a contraction. And she said, now you can start to celebrate because you've done it. It's going away. And I thought, oh, yes, that's great. That's a great thing for me to think about that when the contraction gets to the peak and it's really intense, I've done it. This is it. Now it's just going to get better. And I remember taking really deep, slow breaths. And it was about four it was the peak of the contraction. So I remember every time one came, I would just focus on breathing really slowly and really deeply. And by the time I was on my fourth breath, I knew that it was going to start going down, um, going away. Um, and then I started to really struggle in the bathtub. And I remember asking, could I do the gas? Could I do gas and air? And they don't do it. They don't give it to you very early on because if you use the gas and air for many hours, it can make you really dizzy and nauseous and not great. Uh, it doesn't agree with everyone. So I thought, you know, I said, can you ask the midwife? Can someone ask? If they say no, then that's fine. But I'd like someone to ask. And Lily went out and asked and the midwife came back with, you know, the, the tank to the bathroom and gave it to me. And I remember 
doing it for one contraction and feeling very dizzy. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I can't do this. This this is not good. It doesn't work for me. And my husband said, Anita, you know, it's really stuffy in here. Maybe let's open up the door. Let's let some air in here and you try again. And I'm really glad he said that because I had so instantly dismissed it. And I tried it again and it was much better when the room wasn't just full of steam and I don't know. Um, and then apparently I was holding on to the gas and air for my dear life um, after that and um, went back to. So then when I came out, no one was there. There were like two or three women when we arrived. And by that time, they had gone and there was no one. And I don't know how many beds are there, like eight in the, in the rotunda in the early labor ward. And we had taken the bed at the very end by the window so we could open the window. All the lights were off in the whole ward because it was only us. So we sort of took over the place. And the midwife was just sitting in her corner at her computer. And she would come over and check his heartbeat with the Doppler and leave. And then she would come and ask, can I check baby? And she would check and she would leave. And that's all she did. And it's funny because I remember my husband telling me at one stage, you know, the typical man being like, they're not doing anything. Look at my wife in pain. Like she needs help. And then he would realize, no, this is what she wants. <laughs> like she wants to be left alone, you know? Um, and, uh, and at one stage, it's funny because of my birth plan, I had, please do not offer me an epidural. Like if I want one, I will ask. And I really think at that stage, I wanted to be offered one because the midwife came and I said, I remember saying to her, I need help. <laughs> can you help me? Is there anything you can do to help me? And she said, you're doing great. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. She said, you know, I know it seems really hard, but you're coping beautifully. You're doing really well. Okay. <laughs> Bye. You know, and, uh, and we were just doing our thing. And I remember, I don't know if it was in the bathtub there, but I remember having another cry. And it's funny because, you know, the first one was a sort of timid, you know, I think I might need to cry or whatever. And the second one was like, full on crying. Like, this is too hard. This is really hard. I'm really, I don't know if I can do this. I don't think I can do this. And it's funny because you have that moment of, I don't think I can do this. And then you do it. You know, your body just, something happens that you go through that moment and then, you know, you don't feel like I can't do this. This is too hard all the time. You just get into a little bit of a trance and sort of the ritual of every contraction coming and whatever it is you're doing. In my case, I had the breathing and then I had the TENS machine back on when I got out of the bathtub. So I would press the boost button. I would breathe the gas and air. Like I had these things that I did every time a contraction came and it becomes almost meditative. You just go through it and you go through it and you go through it. And I remember I was on the bed, sort of kneeling at the end of the bed, almost like child's pose. And I didn't want to move. I couldn't find another position, but my legs were feeling like almost like they were falling asleep because I was in that position for so long. And our doula was encouraging me to move and maybe squat on the floor with David's support or something like that. And, um, and I really didn't want to move. And then I remember at one point, feeling a contraction and sort of feeling something running down my legs. And I remember going, I think the water's broke. And the midwife said, yeah, they, they did. Like, this is not news. Like they did a little while ago or something. I never noticed. I always started noticing the sort of, you know, running down my legs or dripping during contractions. And uh, at that stage, my, my sounds started to change. So they became a lot more grunty. And sort of pushing, you know, like a, an involuntary almost pushing, you know, when a contraction would come, I remember going and like not meaning to do that. And, um, and then Lily finally got me to change position. And I, and I remember the midwife would come and say, I think because I was so clearly pushing with the sounds that I was making, and she would come and ask, I'm feeling loads of pressure, you're feeling pressure in your bum. And and I remember always seeing midwives asking women that. And I said, uh, no, maybe, I don't know. And she said, no, you would know if you were feeling it. Like, it's quite intense. And I never did. I never felt that. Uh, and then so Lily got me to change positions. Um, David was sitting on a chair and I was squatting kind of in between his legs on the floor. And he was supporting me from under my arms. And um, I was there for quite a bit. And the midwife would come and look. And I remember thinking, I am pushing, like I'm pushing this baby out. Is nobody going to do anything? 
<laughs> and uh, and so naive, you know, the midwife would come and look and she she was being really amazing, actually. I think that everyone was very um, hands off, the people that are sort of doing nothing but doing everything for you. And she knew that I also put in my birth plan, like I want to push for as long as like, if I'm okay and the baby's okay, I don't want time limits on how long I can push because they do put you on a time limit. It's a little bit like, oh, we don't want people pushing more than an hour. There really isn't a whole lot of evidence to support that, you know, and as long as everyone's okay, then everyone's okay. Um, And so I feel like I was pushing there full on for a long time. And then finally she came over and she said, I was squatting. I remember she said, can I check you? Cause you're, you know, pushing and I want to see what's going on. And I said, sure. And that was the only time I was checked after arriving at two centimeters. Right. Because I asked for no, no, I mean, for me, there was no reason for them to know how dilated I was unless I you know, there was something being discussed, like getting an epidural or whatever, doing something. So she then said that. And I said, sure, let's, let's do it. Let's check. And I remember, and then she said, can you hop on the bed? And I said, no, can you do it here? She said, no, you need to hop on the bed. And I remember having a little bit of a moment. I was like, no, I'm squatting on the floor. And she's like, you have to hop on the bed. And so I did. And she checked me and she said, yeah, you're 10 centimeters dilated. So let's, let's go to the delivery suite. And, uh, I remember not wanting to let go of the gas and air to go to the delivery suite and be like, no, I need a tank. Because at one point, obviously the tank ran out and David says, I do a fit. And I was like, nothing's coming out. There was this panic. And then he said, don't worry, they're plugging you onto the mains. So they plugged it onto, you know, the one on the wall. (laughs) But then to go to the delivery suite, I had to let that go and just hold on to my little um, tube, you know, the hose to get to the delivery suite and they would plug me in there. And I remember being like, no, no, I can't go without it. And it's so funny because people ask me, like if you ask me, what is the effect of the gas and air? I don't, I can't even tell you. Like I don't, I, I, I didn't really feel any effect from it, but when I didn't have it, it was definitely, you know, panic station. So I don't yeah. know if it was more of a psychological thing or it probably does take the edge off, you know, like everybody says. And, and I know these things work differently for different people. But um, we went to the delivery suite and then I was sort of in the same position, kneeling on the bed and um, facing the back and, uh, and, and pushing, pushing, pushing. And then, and I didn't want coached pushing. There was something else that was on my birth plan. And I was really tired. We had been in the rotunda for almost, yeah. I'm not I surprised. Yeah. Wiped out. And then the midwife said, and, and it's funny because, you know, now, then my husband would talk to me and he said, no, Juanita, she was walking around the room and she was preparing the room. Like she knew the baby was coming. They are so knowledgeable. You know what I mean? They know so much. And, and like sometimes when a woman walks in and the midwife wants to do a vaginal examination to see how dilated they are, if they're an active labor, part of me thinks it's so silly because they know they're so experienced. They know when they see a woman in active oh, yeah. labor. But, you know, they have to do what they have to do. And she was walking around and preparing the room and looking at the clock and, you know, looking at me. And it was very interesting. And an hour, I was in the room pushing for an hour. uh, And she said, do you want a little bit of help? Let's maybe change positions. And I said, "Okay, all fours. And she said, well, that's not very different. (laughs) Let's, you know. Um, So I was sort of on my back, which is, you know, um, not something that I actively wanted just because it's usually how, how we are put, you know, on, on, on the bed, but I was sort of sitting up almost like squatting. Right. And, um, she said, should I help you push? And at that stage I said, yes, because I really felt like I needed the help. I was, I was having a, you know, I was really, really tired. I was having a hard time and I had been pushing on my mm-hmm. own, uh, for a long time. Because I would say, I don't know. I mean, in my mind, I was pushing for almost two hours downstairs. I keep saying downstairs. I always say downstairs. And my husband's like, it's on the same floor, Anita. But, um, uh, you know, in the early labor ward. And uh, then I pushed for another hour in in the suite. So she said, you know, can I help you? And I said, sure. 
And so there was some coach pushing, you know, push, push, push really hard, take a deep breath and hold your breath in and all of that. And I found that really hard. Um, you know, the famous ring of fire was very real for me. And I remember pushing back and, and having, having to tell myself to push into the pain because it was really sore. It was really sore. And I remember thinking, oh my God, no way I have to do this. And just really mm. leaning into the pain and pushing into it, which was hard. It was very hard. I would push a little bit and I could feel my, myself sort of, sort of pulling back a little bit. And so I that's a really good point, actually, because naturally we shy away from pain, but this is the complete opposite. Our natural instinct is, is to push into the pain. That's it. Yes, that's it. And it was uh, it was really challenging, but, but it was great because then, you know, his he was crowding and I remember my husband was very excited and he told me I can see the head, I can see the head, it's coming out, it's crowning and everybody was very excited and then the head came out and then, you know, rest for a few moments and then another contraction came and then the body came out and um and it's funny because then they put him straight onto my chest and oh and he and then he pooped he passed meconium like two minutes after being born all over me um <clears throat> and I was holding him and I was so happy and I was looking at my baby and I had you know kissed him and and then the midwife goes do you know what you have and I realized I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl yet. And I was already, you know, like bonding with my baby and holding him. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I don't. And I remember lifting him up and seeing that he was a boy. Um, and my husband already knew. And he said, you know, he had a little chuckle with knowing that I didn't know as I was holding him. And, and it was really lovely. He latched on right away. Not super successfully. It's not like he latched on and started nursing. But he did. He looked for the breast and we managed to, to sort of latch him on. And uh, I had asked for a physiological third stage. So to allow the placenta to be born on its own without interventions for 30 minutes. And if in 30 minutes it hadn't happened to then, you know, uh, um, assist me. However, you know, it is either with the controlled traction or the oxytocin uh, injection or something like that. But actually, I mean, the placenta was born, I think it was, Two minutes, three minutes, we hadn't even clamped the cord and the placenta was coming out. And I remember thinking, oh God, contractions again. Um, and then it came out and everything was fine. Um, so did you get to see Ziggy and the placenta together? Uh, no. Wow, that's interesting. That's an image. No, I mean, not really, because the placenta was coming out and she actually, which I thought was funny and I didn't fully understand. She wanted to clamp it before the placenta came out. And I remember going, why? Why is that necessary? Um, but it was already white and, you know, uh, wasn't pulsating anymore. So it was fine. She, she, I think she clamped it and then the placenta came out. And then, Jesus, my mom, and then David cut the cord. Yeah. And she... <clears throat> took the placenta and we were just sort of hanging out and it was it was amazing you know that feeling in the room when, when the baby's out and you know it's done um but it wasn't done because then <laughs> um she came to check me if I needed any stitches or anything and she said oh perineum is intact that's great and then she said you know I think there's a tear here that might be aesthetic like it's a little labial tear but let's I'll call the doctor in to really do a full, you know, look through and make sure that there's nothing. Because I guess sometimes you could have sort of internal tears that need to be stitched. And we waited for a long time for the doctor, which I don't think is a great idea because at that stage, the body has cooled, you know, and the adrenaline has sort of gone down and you have a very sore vagina, <laughs> you know, with no heat and adrenaline um, sort of, you know, pumping through. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, the doctor comes in and examines me. And I didn't even know that people had labial tears, but that's what I had. And I had a few and they were very small. So it was like one stitch here, two stitches here. And they were extremely sore. I mean, the, the she would give me a little numbing, you know, injection. And she said, it'll feel like several bee stings, which I thought, wow, I've just given birth. That doesn't sound very pleasant. And it wasn't. And 
it got to a point that I couldn't hold Ziggy, our son, anymore because I was in so much pain and I was doing the gas and air again. And it took about 40 minutes of sort of doing a little numbing here and a little numbing there and one stitch here and two stitches there. And to be honest, that threw me over the edge because I remember sobbing at that stage and being like, I can't. It's been 24 hours. I, I, this is, I'm done. I'm supposed to be done. I want to be done. And um, <clears throat> it's something that I would look at if I were to give birth again. I think I would, you know, either make sure to ask, please, can I get checked right away? Because I've been told by several people that if it's done right away, you don't feel the sensation is not quite as intense at all. Um, and they were very small, um, small little, you know, stitches. Like I recovered from them very well. The recovery was nothing. Um, I remember even having the little water bottle to go pee and then realizing I don't really need it. It actually doesn't sting. Like there's nothing really uh, that's sore. So it was, it was actually fine, you know, um, in terms of recovery and all that. But that moment was a real bummer, which is funny because I don't, when I look at my birth story, that doesn't really stand out. But when I go through the narrative, it's like, oh God, that was a bummer. <laughs> like that was right after everything was fine. And then it was just long and painful. And then everything was done. And I, this is a, something that's funny about Ziggy's birth, actually, that is so ridiculous, but it really stood out to me. I was disgusting by the end of it. Like it had been 24 hours. I had three showers where I didn't really wash my body and I put no deodorant afterwards. And I remember at one stage towards the very end being like, oh my God, I smell so bad. And, and my husband and the duo are like, oh, not at all. And I thought, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, I remember being like, this is horrible. I'm disgusting. And Ziggy was born and I remember laughing and being like, I'm so sorry you're meeting your mom in this state. You know, um, I was really beat up at that stage. And then I remember thinking, I'm going to have a shower. And so I sit up on the bed and I got so dizzy, so dizzy. Like I couldn't stand up. And the midwife came in and she says, you know, you were in labor for 24 hours. You didn't eat anything. And you've just given birth to a human and a placenta and lost some blood and you're getting dizzy. Like you're not going to be able to get up now and have a shower. And that's fine. It's normal. And so I had one of those, you know, nurse kind of wipe downs and um, and was in the delivery suite then for quite a, a while. I think they thought my heart rate was a little bit um, accelerated, which nobody was worried about it. They all kind of came in and said, it's pretty normal, you know, and I wasn't feeling it because I had a heart problem in the past, like I mentioned, and and I would have palpitations and I was like, I'm definitely not having them. Like this is, I'm not feeling it. It was a little bit elevated. Um, and so we hung out there for a little while and then I got into a wheelchair and went to the um, postpartum ward. And that was, so he was born at one, uh, 1.30 in the morning. And um and then by the time I was in the postpartum ward and David was leaving and all of that, it was like 7 a.m. by the time he was leaving. Um, and so I was there that day and then I stayed in the night. Um, oh, okay. I remember something. I was, I could have gone home that day, <clears throat> but there was a detail. I, I, I tested positive for um, strep B, GBS. And it was, they don't test it universally here like they do in the States, but it was my GP. I thought I had thrush and asked for a swab and the swab came back, no thrush, but hey, GBS positive. And I did a lot of research and I chose to not do anything about it. I thought that because you don't test universally and about a third of adult women will carry it, um, you know, there's loads of women giving birth every day who are have GBS. You know, it's a bacteria that colonizes people and it doesn't do anything, but it can cause an infection on the baby. And if if you test positive for GBS, what they do is they give you um, IV antibiotics during labor. And I didn't want to do that because I wanted to labor at home as long as I could. So I didn't want to be in hospital. 
with antibiotics. And I also didn't want, like I haven't taken antibiotics in at least 12 years. And so I really didn't want to do that at that stage. And I didn't want the baby to get antibiotics. And so I thought, you know what? The only thing that that prevents is what they call early onset GBS infection, which happens within the first 12 to 24 hours. There's the um, late onset or whatever that can happen within the first six months, but that is not prevented by those antibiotics. And so I thought I will stay in hospital where he's observed. Uh, and obviously, if there's any sign of infection, they will do something about it. And obviously, I can tell them. I actually had a document in my my bag, my hospital bag, that explained how I wanted it managed. And it never came to it. We were there, but then the domino scheme midwives came because I wanted the the early discharge home. And so she said, "Oh, you could go home today, or you could stay the night." And I said, "You know what? I'll stay the night. I'll stay the you know didn't quite stay 24 hours, but no, stay 24 hours. Yes." And, um, and then I'll go home. And so everything was fine at that stage. I knew that he had been, you know, monitored and check everything before you leave the hospital and he was fine. Uh, so I ended up um, staying um, the night. Um, and then I came home with the domino midwives, which is amazing. Yeah, because the midwife <laughs> visits you at home every day for a week. And it was, it was incredible to have that. Yeah. And how did the feeding, how was breastfeeding going? So, um, you know, it, it was, it's hard to latch a baby on. And yeah. so what I did was every time I wanted to latch him on, I would call the midwife. I was, you know, the squeaky wheel lit there because I would just call them in and ask, can you help me latch the baby? And I did that every single time. And then at night, um, they switched, you know, there was a new shift and uh, there was this midwife there and she came in to help me. And I just thought she was so aggressive, you know, I think because that's what they do every single day. And then I remember being like, okay, I'm not going to call her again. And all night, I remember just trying to put him on the boob. That's all I did. That's all I did that night. And it was interesting because one of the big reasons why I wanted to have a home birth was because I was dreading my husband leaving and spending the night there alone with the baby. Um, which is a crazy experience for the partner as well. Like I can't imagine my husband then driving away from the hospital with, you know, no wife and no baby being like, okay, now I guess I get some sleep because I'm exhausted. And, you know, it's a really weird uh, thing, but actually it wasn't that bad. I was there just me and Ziggy and I'm trying to latch him on. And, and I remember in the beginning of the night, the midwife asked me to express and see, and I couldn't get anything out. Like I remember squeezing and pushing and being like, okay, there's no milk coming out. You know, there's nothing coming out here or a claustrum at that stage. And I remember it was early morning and I thought I would just have a look. And I remember squeezing and seeing one little drop form. And I was like, there's, this is hope. There's something here. It's happening. Um, and that was that. I mean, I just kept putting him on the breast. We didn't have any issues really. It was very straightforward. I had very sore nipples for almost three weeks, but I never had like cracked or bleeding or, you know, he wasn't tongue tied or like there was no issue. Really. It was very, very straightforward. And uh, we're still going. Um, I feel like he was nursing very little and then he got sick, he got a cold and crash or whatever, because he just started crash this summer. And it came back full on because <laughs> when they're sick, just all he wants because it's very comforting and it's good in a way because I, we, we know that they're not dehydrated. You know that they're getting some nutrition and antibodies and all that, but boy, it's exhausting. I'm like now nursing an almost two year old and I'm just going, Ooh, I need to go back to drinking all that water I was drinking in the beginning because, you know, I feel parched all the time, but, um, but definitely one of the, biggest most intense um bonds that I have with him is is our nursing relationship is front and center in our relationship as as, as mother and, and child really it's, it's very it's probably the most amazing thing I've ever done Anita thank you so much for sharing your story all right lovely lovely to meet you as always, if you'd like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. I'm not so sharp on Instagram when it comes to responding to DMs. 
but I will respond to emails much quicker. So if you go over to irelandsbirthstories.ie, you can contact me there and I'll get back to you with a date for our conversation as soon as I can. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and I will chat to you soon. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.